What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Helbeck, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the NYREI radio show. I'm here with Michael Pinter from, uh, are you, is your office in Lawrence or is your office down the street in another town? My office is two miles away in Hewlett, um, but that's, those are two of the five towns. So I live in one of the five towns and I work in a different one. I'm going to have to get down to Long Island one of these days and see your operation because uh, we've met several, several, several times, but I've never, I haven't been to Long Island in probably five years. If you, come and, to an, uh, if you come to an island, there's a playoff game. You can come stop by. You know what? We might have to talk oh. offline about that because they just won last night and I cannot believe it. So anyway, I'm coming to him from, I'm coming today from Monroe, New York. So about an hour and a half from Michael. So we're going to talk about something today that is the disposition part of the wholesaling business in New York, which is basically when you get a property under contract, how to sell your property in New York for top dollar. Um, because I have made a ton of mistakes. I'm sure Michael's made a ton of mistakes. And now we can both say that our average wholesale deals are well over $30,000. Um, and that's on the wholesale side. That's not on the closing side. That's on the wholesale side. And a big part of that is knowing how to systematically sell your properties to the right people at the right price. So Michael, um, let's start with this. When you first got into the off-market game on the wholesale side, what was your process like? You know, because this was a while ago now. Yes. So it was about five, six years ago. So let me just explain. Before I really went direct to seller, I was uh, going to auctions. And that was my primary place of buying property. So for four years, I went to auctions. And what I thought, and, and when I went to auctions, I was the only guy there actually taking notes. So I made lists of every property that the real buyers bought. And what I thought when I started wholesaling was that these guys were going to be great sources for me to wholesale too. And I was really mistaken because these guys were not looking to buy from me. I think they had seen me buy enough properties at the auctions that they felt like if I was putting it out to them, something was wrong with it. I think even a few of them even said, yeah. what's wrong with it? Like, why don't you just do it yourself? And um, they didn't understand the concept of wholesaling because these guys were not wholesaling. They were always going to fix and flip it. Yeah. So my process first was to try and build, was try to go to them. That didn't work. So then I, I, I had to develop a list of people to buy, to, to, to get on a buyer's list. And once I did that, um, my process was to, to, to uh, get the seller to agree to show it and then get as many people in there in one short period of time. I think I even did like a 30 minute showing just because I wanted the, all the, all the buyers to feel like this is something everybody wants and there's a million people in there and holy crap. Now, ironically, when I do that, it turns some buyers off, some good buyers. Some buyers were like, I don't, this is not for me. Like, I don't need, I don't want to compete. I don't want to, I don't want this to be a bidding war. I don't want a, a feeding frenzy. And I've lost a few buyers over that. But yeah. having said that, it's it's still the right way to go. And and what you had Todd Toback on your Pave the Way podcast, yeah. and he really laid it out 
as good as I've ever heard anybody lay it out, where you need, if you're wholesaling deals, you need this to be an auction situation. And I have left, and I'm sure you have, we, we probably left, certainly we both left hundreds of thousands of dollars oh my God, if not on the table yeah. because we decided to sell it to somebody who asked us, you know, what's the price or we had a preferred buyer and we really yeah. could have maxed out on a lot of those properties. So uh, that, as Todd Tobek said, and as, as you agree, in today's world, for sure, um, having a great buyer or I, I and I, here, here's something really even stupider. So I wanted to create a whole system where if someone bought from me, they would get first crack at my properties. And then I, it was a whole hierarchy and I thought it was genius, right? Because all these people would want to buy from me to get on my list and get first crack. Yeah. But the truth is, none of that matters, right? All that matters on, on each deal is who's going to pay, who's going to actually close and who's going to pay you the most money for it. So setting up an auction system. And, and, and sometimes first-time buyers are going to give you more money than, than, the, than the seasoned guys. So setting up an auction system, which is what you and I do now, is clearly the best way to, to deal with wholesale properties, for sure. A hundred percent. And that, that's something, when I got started, I was the best cash buyer employee in the Hudson Valley. I mean, I was a CBE, man. I would go and I would pocket. And I'm not saying like, it, it, you learn from your mistakes. Absolutely. At the time I needed to do it because I didn't have the ability and the resources and stuff. But I would just hand off deals and uh, I made money. It was definitely profitable. But over time, I realized, I said, if I'm dependent on one person or two people or three people in my business, I am in trouble because the, what does Dan Kennedy say? The worst number in business is always one. Okay? One marketing channel, one buyer, one seller, one deal, you're done. So you got to have multiple balls in the air and multiple ways to make money. So um, yeah, I, the whole Todd Toback, uh, I mean, we talk about him on a lot because he's really made a big difference in my business. Just listening to this guy on his podcast like that was what that was one of the best one of the best episodes i heard i mean i mean yeah you sent it to me early and i was like this yeah. guy has got it perfectly and, and here's the and people don't think like so so let, let's yeah. say my he's a renegade in a good way he's great so yeah. the situation i gave you where I, I had a few guys who came and saw like 50 people out there and they're like screw this i'm out of here <laughs> so you can look at that and go oh no this doesn't work or as yeah. todd Tobek says who cares like it doesn't matter you were going to piss some people off and some of your best people who bought, like I, I have a guy who bought like 15 properties for me. He's upset, right? He's like, you're not giving me any Of deal. course he's upset. It's and logical. You know it doesn't yeah. matter. He's now buying another property for me. It's not like they, they, you, you can't, the, the, the ability to max out on each deal with, with, the, with the highest paying buyer is worth more than keeping people happy. And most of those people who aren't happy will still come and buy from you later. A hundred percent. They're still going to come by and they're, they, they're, only not happy because they were getting wholesale deals with extra equity because yeah. you're friends. And I remember I want to this, I want to drive, I use a story to drive home this, this point here. I remember I, um, my first wholesale deal in San Diego, this was last year. I got it at a, like, I didn't know the market that well. Like now I know the area well, but I got this property under contract and I was like, Ooh, 300 is like, eh. So I locked it up, no attorney. And I put it out. I'm like, let me try to sell it for 340 and make $40,000. Um, so I put it out to my list and I just built my list on Facebook. It wasn't that hard. And I had a guy say, hey, um, if you meet me at this property right now, I will sign the assignment agreement right now for 340. And I'm just thinking like, all right, whatever. Like drove down there. <laughs> this is a... It didn't yeah. enter your mind that maybe you were too low. <laughs> no, it didn't. Because I was thinking, I didn't think it was a deal at 300 because it was like in the hood. It was, we signed the assignment deal 
on the hood, in the hood, in the hood. like on his truck, <laughs> on the hood, because there's no attorneys. And I'm just like, holy shit, like that was easy. And then, um, you know, so we do the deal and I'm just thinking like, oh, he, 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 you know, $40,000, whatever. And I'm thinking like, I probably could have sold this for 380 or something like, I don't know. So then I, I find out, I, I meet the guy this, we're hanging out like three months later. I have another deal. We're in, at showing it. And I'm like, Hey, whatever happened to that property on, uh, on Lamar? And he's like, Oh, we sold it. And I'm like, oh, all right. So he like bought it off me 340, put it on the market for 415 and sold it like that. And I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> so I, I learned. So then the next deal I had, this isn't the same thing. I get this house locked up in city Heights, which is once again, in the hood, dangerous area. I wouldn't go there at night for anything. Um, and I'm like, all right, I'm not doing that again. So I said, here's the deal. One time showing it's from five to five 30. If you're not there, I don't care. Like there's no, we're not negotiating. This is the time. And there was a tenant in the property and I'm like, Hey, to the tenant, I'm like, dude, like it's going to be nuts here for like 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like just, it's going to be crazy. Tell your family to leave. Cause there's, it was like in the middle of COVID now in California. So I, it was a Congo line in this little Spanish style house, Congo line in and out. Everyone's almost like holding each other's shoulders, you know, going through this thing. I'm sitting out there just like, I'm going to max this MF or out. And uh, a day later sold it $70,000, $10,000 over the price. And uh, the guy was just humping my leg for the deal. So the reason I'm saying that is because I could have done that same thing in Spring Valley and probably made 80 to hundred grand, but I was being, um, Hey, you got someone knocking on your door. Like, um so So, it's all about maxing these properties out man you got to max them out well let me ask you something i wanted to ask you about that deal on lamar so how much would it have cost you to close and sell it not much um when retail it would have cost me probably 60k of my own cash of my own dough like to like close on it buy it put it on how much cash you would have to lay down i'm saying how much how much would you had in expenses by oh um probably forty five thousand. Probably 45 grand. Yeah. That's not, so it's not such a bad deal that you, that it, had a, it had a bad tenant though. in the, one of the units, it was a duplex. So that right, was so a bad it, tenant. So yeah. It's not like I've, I've wholesale deals where I knew hundred percent I can make more money by doing the work or by yeah. something, but I, I'm, I'm happy to lay that risk off and take my, my quick dime over my slow quarter because hundred percent, because I'm good. So like, even that deal in Lamar, could you have made more? Pro- probably. Yeah. But but by closing on, but that guy took on all the risk. Like th- there was a guy yep. in investor fuel from Kansas city and he does a lot of business. Um, not, not Tony or anything, you know, um, and he, he does about 20 deals a month and he sells like eight of them, like a huge chunk, like 40% of business to the same guy who just wholetails them. All he does is like clean them up and put them on the market. So I'm talking to him and I said, why don't you just do that? Like, why, why are you, why are you leaving that money on the table? Yeah. And he said, because I don't own, own anything. He goes, if a meteor hits Kansas City tomorrow, he goes, I don't have to think about dealing with all this stuff. And like, I'm not sure I agree with him, but I understand what he's saying. Yeah. I understand the concept of saying, he goes, I don't have to worry about insurance. I don't have to worry about squatters. I don't have to worry about vandalism. I don't have to worry about uh, landscaping. I don't have to worry about, about any of this crap. He, he goes, and I, and I understand it. I understand yeah. it. I'm not Makes sure sense. I would do it. I probably, yeah. couldn't, I probably couldn't look at that much money gone but I understand, but I understand what he's saying. And like in the deal, like when you said Lamar, you, you laid that risk off to a guy, you made 40 grand on the deal. Without had, doing anything, right. no money down, literally you didn't do shit. Deal with a tenant. You yeah. don't have to put up any cash. You don't yeah. have any expenses. Yeah. So like, that's like, that's what we do. And that's, and that's great. 
And 40,000 is a big wholesale fee anyway. I don't care what market you're in. That's a big, it was a big pop, you know? And I knew like, you know, cause California, you can, it's like, just like New York, it's the same thing. Like you're going to make, you're going to do less volume, but you're going to make more money because you're not having to chase all these small deals around. But yeah, I, I was happy for the guy. I said, dude, like, congratulations, man. Like, that's amazing. I'm, I'm glad you did. You know, I'm happy we're able to, you know, we, now we're good friends and everything, but I mean, that, guy, that guy wants your next deal. He didn't, he, he offered 10 for the other one. I sold it for 70. So we didn't, we didn't make that happen. I wasn't going to be a cash buyer employee, but he wants to come back to you for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, we're cool. Yeah, exactly. So, so here's something that I've noticed in New York, Michael, that, um, that really gives us an advantage as wholesalers versus the other areas of the country. When we're going to disposition a property for maximum dollar and we're going to have the open house and we're going to do the whole system, a lot of people around the country, they are scared that that other buyer is going to snake them out of the deal, right? So let's talk about why in New York, A, there's less competition and B, it is impossible to get hosed out of a deal if you're wholesaling. It's actually impossible because you have attorneys involved. Like that's the thing I love most about when I get a property under contract here is like, even if I'm trying to wholesale, if the buyer starts to mess with me, I'm like, bro, I got an attorney and I got a fully executed contract and you are going to get your ass freaking buyer, smoked. The buyer or the seller? If the buyer tries to go behind you and go to the seller directly oh, yeah, you're yeah. an escrow, let's talk about that. Because in New York, that allows you to be more of a renegade when you're selling these properties because you, you, you're just, you are in so much control. It's insane. Sure. So it really doesn't happen a lot in New York because I think anybody with any experience knows that. But the way it works in New York, right, which is different than all 49 other states, is that the real estate transaction takes place between a seller's attorney and your and your attorney, the sales, yes. and, as opposed to just a standard transaction in the other 49 states between a buyer and a seller. But that, that simple transaction that happens between a buyer and a seller where there's a contract pushed across the table, where there's a maybe a deposit given or not, yeah. It's not a super strong contract, but in New York, no. where a seller's attorney prepares the contract, negotiates with your attorney, they each make their two, three thousand dollar fee. That contract is ironclad. You cannot, so a seller can't change his mind and say sorry, <laughs> and a buyer can't go around and say, hey, I'll give you more for it. it doesn't matter. So I just, I had a situation last week where seller, uh, we went to contract at three thirty, and seller decided it was too, it was too little, too low, too low. Oh, I want more. So I told my attorney, like, we're, we're not, I don't care what he says. Like, we'll, we'll, I'll sue him for specific performance and I'll, and I'll put a list pendants on the properties. I can't sell it to anybody else. And we, we close when we were supposed to close. So that's an amazing thing about New York. And, but, but also because of the reality that we just discussed, I put properties out there where I wasn't in contract because I knew that all the buyers I was showing it to you knew that on all the, my other deals, I were on contract. And therefore, I'm almost not afraid that one of my buyers is going to go direct to my sellers because if I'm sort of implying that I'm under contract, they're not even going to think about it. But yeah. in places like Dallas and Phoenix and uh, oh, it's Vegas. Vegas, it's just like that. They, they try and finagle their way in. That's their thinking. Get on a bunch of lists and try and try and, and middle out the middle out the guy who's direct the seller because the contract with Means with the seller is weak. We we we. It's a huge thing in New York that we that I, I never really understood and never really. Uh, but I, I took for granted until I started talking to people in other in other parts of the country. Yeah, and I I I used to think like it was a pain in the ass to get in the contract in New York, which it it like I'm just so it used is, to it, it now. Yeah, it is. it is. It's a bigger pain in the ass than other places. Yeah, well, it's funny. I just lost a deal because of this. My first, uh, well, it wasn't a deal. Basically, this is an interesting story. We had a smoking hot, like unbelievable deal, like home run, home run, home run. It was from another investor. 
And uh, we, we got the yes. And I'm like, dude, I'll buy it with the tenant. But if the tenant wants to leave on their own, that's fine too. The tenant's like, I'm going to leave on my own. I'm like, oh, great. Seller's an attorney. So the seller is a like, smart, savvy guy, lives in like Bal- by Bal Harbor, like not a moron, um, which is in Miami, if you're not familiar with that area. So he's from New York, but he lives in Miami. And I'm like, Saul, why are you selling me this property for 150? Like, dude, like you're an attorney, you're smart. Like, I just want to know like why you're doing this because like, I don't want this to be an unproductive use of my time and your time. He's like, I just don't care about it anymore. I've, I own so much real estate. I just don't really care. So I'm like, whatever, cool. So he actually wanted a big deposit. So we put a big deposit down, signed the contract. And he calls me the other day, or I call him and I'm like, hey, we have the deposit down. He's like, I'm not selling you the property anymore. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to sell. And I'm like, was it the price? Tell me if it's the price because I'll pay more. And he's like, it's not the price. I don't want to sell. So I'm like, all right, whatever. But we weren't in contract, right? But if this was Dallas or whatever, he probably would have signed that contract right away. So maybe one out of 10. Right, yeah. they just turned you around after. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Nothing you can do before guys. There's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, that's right. That happens maybe twice a year, Michael. I'm not kidding. Maybe twice a year that'll happen. Like it always happens. Ha- Barely. You know that happens everywhere. That that, ha- that, ha- yeah. that happens. People change. It happens in other markets too. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Sure, but it's the- even worse when you get it tied up. Like that's like I've had that happen in Dallas before, where I got a smoking. We had a once again absolute you know bases loaded grand slam. And the lady went off the rails and uh, we tried to litigate and she, like, it just didn't work. Like, so I ended up getting a thousand dollars, but in New York, it would have been done. So she would have been, she would have been done. So that just makes right. me grateful. For and the, the fact that the seller has an attorney in New York means that seller's attorney is going to tell his client, listen, you got no place to go here. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you don't have an option. You have to, you got to close because yeah. A, you're never going to sell it to anybody else and B, you're going to get sued for a lot of money and you're going to lose. So that's a big deal. Like a lot of people that are unsophisticated in other states, they don't have anybody telling them that. No. Right? If your contract is ironclad in another state or whatever you did, you filed it, you know, you recorded it with the county, whatever you did. No one's yeah. telling them, hey, you need to sell it to this guy. But every sales attorney knows you don't have an option. You got to sell it to this guy. For sure. So yeah. Michael, what are some things you did in, in, in Long Island to build up your buyers list to where now when you have a deal that's actually a deal, you're selling it in a matter of days? So uh, what did I do? I got... So I, I went, I, when I first started building the buyers list, I got, um, I went to a multiple listing service and I, and I downloaded every uh, property that sold uh, with cash. That's the best thing to do for sure. And then I tried, to, then I skip traced as many of those to get names and, and addresses. And I sent out a mailing that helped me build the buy, buyers list. I'm actually doing another mailing like that now from a different data source. So that was good. Um, but also what I have my dispo guy do is that when we have a deal in an area, he starts looking at people who bought uh, properties in that area and we reach mm. out to them. So we specifically say, hey, you know, you bought something in Huntington Station. We have something in Huntington Station you might be interested in. So that's what he does. He doesn't, unfortunately, he doesn't spend as much time building the buyers list as I like because there's no real compensation. There's no direct compensation for adding people to the buyers list. Yeah, it's not a sale. Yeah. Right. So he spends more time on selling properties because that's what he that's really direct revenue on. generating. I keep yeah. trying to convince him that hey, th- that that leads to the more people you get on the list, the better, the more money, more we'll money you're going to make. Yeah, but you know it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people to do that. So I, I, so I'm doing another mailing right now, like 500 people who just bought something, and uh, in the last two quarters, and basically this, it's a simple letter. I think I have it on my wall. Yeah, look Here's the letter. It says. Uh, my name is Michael Pinter. We market for motivated sellers. My properties for sale never be on the MLS. I saw that you had recently bought a property in 
this was Elmont. I have an off-market property in Elmont for sale. I was wondering if you were interested in buying another. Give me a call, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, that helped me. That helped me a lot. What are you, what are you, what are you doing to build your buyers list? So there's a few things I'm doing. Um, the number one thing that I did actually to do this in another market, uh, but this applies in New York as well, is uh, I actually had a deal that I was about to put on the Lamar Street property. The seller and I were kind of you know going back and forth for a while, and I knew he was going to sell eventually. So I went on a Facebook group. So this works in Long Island. This works in the Hudson Valley. This works anywhere, San Diego, wherever you are. And I went in the Facebook group. It was not a real estate investing group. It was a like local real estate professionals group, right? So there's agents, investors, home inspectors, everyone in there. And I made a post. I said, hey, I have a property in uh, Spring Valley on Lamar Street, or not on Lamar Street, a duplex in Spring Valley. I'm going to be getting under contract very soon. I'm going to look to sell this property to a cash buyer immediately once it's under contract. If you want to consider buying the property, leave your email and I'll, I'll let you know when it's available. I got 75 emails in like wow. an hour because it was like, it's an easy offer. So that's how I built up my, my list in California. In New York, um, MLS. So I have my assistant goes on and she uses PropStream in the MLS to go and she looks for all of the cash buyer sales. Um, and she does the same thing that you do. But another thing that I had her do, and this is another strategy I want to talk about after we're done with this listing, is she finds every real estate agent who has represented a cash buyer. And she takes the real estate agent's information. She sends them a cold email saying, hey, I work for an investor. He has a ton of properties he wants to sell. Um, I saw you sold a property down the street. You know, Can we basically stay in touch? And then he's going to have, he has properties every single week that he wants to sell. And then basically she adds a lot of agents to my list. And um, we do a lot of business like that. Like we just had one yesterday. That's how it went down. Um, so that uh, I get a lot. I, I'll make blind ads. Uh, I don't know if it's, I don't even care if it's friend upon because who the hell, like who cares? But basically I'll go, actually, this is what I, this is not frowned upon. And even if it was, I don't give a shit. So basically <laughs> I'll go and I'll get a deal under contract, right? Very normal. And I will write some crazy Dan Kennedy copy, like, holy shit, I need to sell this property right away or else I am in big trouble. Right. Um, it's an off-market fixer. It needs a truckload of work. Wait, I'm wait. dying to get rid of it. Like where are you posting, where are you posting Craigslist, the Craigslist, Craigslist. I'm dying to get rid of it. If you're interested, only text me. And I'm like, I'm very specific. It's like hard hitting copy. And uh, I'll get a bunch of people reaching out to that blind ad. And I'll, the only thing I will say is generally it's sold, but I'll leave the ad up because I want it to run in perpetuity. And the first thing I say is what's your email address. And then I stick them into my active campaign database. So so Blind they, ads. You want to get texted. You want to get texted, and then you'll respond to the text with what's your. Yeah, name? I'll I'll basically like I'll see the text come in, and then I'll say what's your email address, and then they have to give me their email address, and then I'll boop, boop, paste it over, and then uh, that's a great way to build. That. I mean, a lot of now that my list is, it's not like ten thousand people, but it's like four hundred real, legitimate, actual, productive people, and I get that list gets passed or not doesn't get passed around, but. People will take the emails now because I send so many of them and they'll send them all around to their networks. Oh, and yeah. now I get random people hitting me up for a deal like that will sell. And I'm like, I'll like cross-reference their email address and they're not on my list. So then I'll put them on the list. Right. And then in my emails, it's always like, hey, PS, if you this isn't for you, but it's for someone else that you know, forward them this email. So we get a lot of like boomerang marketing going on. Yeah, I get um, some of that. I get some of that too. But yeah. that's, that's good stuff. I see. I really need. I, so I recently took my list from like a, a thousand down to six hundred because I had four hundred people on it who really were not. They were just full of crap. Yeah. In my opinion, if you don't respond to a text and an email that says, "Hey, I got a great deal," 
you you're know, smoking. Yeah, you're, you're not probably not, a buyer. Probably not yeah. a real buyer. So I, I no. cut it down, but I want to I want to build it back up. But again, I yeah. think I have a pretty good list. I think you're, you're sure you have a good list. So, but it's something that you really need to spend time on regularly. It's important, and that's a bigger thing I see. Some guys say, "Oh, screw the buyer's list." I agree and disagree with that because I think that if you have nobody on your list and you have a deal, you're not going to get as much money. But at the same time, if all you do is spend your whole day building a buyer's list and you're not getting any seller leads, you're wasting you're your time too. Get any money back. Yeah, so, so I, I, it's it's kind of like on the fence. I'm on the fence about that. You know, I think I'm you not, are as well. I'm not on the fence on it. I, you're I not very strongly that. Um, cause, cause when I, when I heard about this concept of reverse wholesaling, it sounded so great. Oh, it sounds great in theory. Oh, oh my yeah. God. If you find exactly <laughs> what the buyer wants and you just go out and get it for him, it sounds amazing. So right? easy, Michael. But to me, to me, it's just, it's an excuse to do something very easy. And so there's a few problems with it. Right. And I tell, I, I've spoken to so many people who say, oh, I'm just building a buyer's list before I start. Here's a few problems with it. Number one is. You're, if you call somebody, let's say off a list or whatever the hell it is, and you say, hey, I'm, I have an ability to make you money. Do you want to be on my list? Anybody's going to say yes. You don't know if the guys are real. I get those calls all the time. Right. I get those blind calls all the time. And I'm what like, yes, say? send me all your deals. Right. Okay. Sometimes I, 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 I don't even know if I say yes because I know what the guy is doing. But, but, but I'm saying anybody will say yes. But you're a real buyer. Yeah. You're a good guy to have on the list. This, I, you, I'm, I know people who have, who have, who have done this and they got 20 guys and i know none of those guys actually can even close on a deal so yeah. you don't know second of all you feel like you're accomplishing something right you feel like hey I'm, I'm building a list i'm doing exactly what i saw on the internet somebody told me to, somebody told me to do yeah and and the truth is you don't know if you've spent any time the, the, the tough part of this business is talking to sellers who are going to tell you to go oh, after yourself man. you know nine out of ten times so it's a way to avoid that and i see people like pushing that part off just telling me you know i'm a wholesaler for two years what have you been doing? Uh, I've been building a buyer's list for two years. I got 78 people on there who all want. So, you know, I, I'm ready to go. And I'm like, you haven't spoken to one seller. You're, you're, you really haven't done anything. You should be you're doing. done. Yeah. People get, keep, people get shocked. So I feel strongly that if you get the deal, you'll find the buyer. And it might be something as simple as calling up you or me and saying, you know, what am I doing here? Like very often yeah. people in our area don't even know if a deal is a deal yet. It's not so simple. Mm. It's right? one of the hardest parts in New York. By yeah, the way. they go on, you know, they go on online and they see somebody in Port St. Lucie selling. Well, if I can buy it for seventy thousand dollars, it's a deal because everything there is similar. But by us, our our product is so diverse. It's not so simple, right? We have we have product that was built in the eighteen hundreds. We have product that was built ten years ago. There's a very diverse uh, amount of different diverse amount of houses, different different types of houses. So a lot of them need help from somebody like you or me just to figure out if it's a deal. And then then to find a buyer for it. So you're spending time on a buyer's list. It's I think it's a waste of time. Talk to sellers, find deals, work with somebody in the beginning, at least like you or me, who can help you figure out if it's a deal and then help you dispose of it. Totally. The whole buyer's list to me is something you can do that later. Like even yeah. if you get a deal and you're not talking to somebody like you or me, you could just look on MLS for everybody that bought what properties within a mile of there. Just find it's those easy. guys and call them. Skip trace them and call them. It's so easy to find a damn buyer. And there, there's because your inventory as a wholesaler is the distressed seller's property. It's not the buyer. Like there's no resistance finding buyers. And that's why people don't like doing it. There's no conflict. There's no uncomfortable. Right. It's like, hey, do you want to smoke and deal with a discount? No, I, I'd rather I just go to the bank. I don't want to make court. more money. No, yeah. don't call yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like those stupid DMs you get on Instagram. It's like, dude, if you send me another DM, I'm calling the attorney general. You know, it's oh like ridiculous. So, it's like, I, do you want to learn Forex trading in your underpants? It's like, no, I don't. 
And if I did, I wouldn't be learning it from you. You've been missing the Bitcoin. Uh, the Bitcoin. Oh my gosh! Uh, oh, I hear the word Bitcoin, I just get stressed out. Crypto like, is I, hot. <laughs> so is Arizona. You know, it's like get the hell out of here. Yeah. So no, I feel. Funny. I feel yeah. like and I tell people this all the time. I go, do not spend any time in a buyer's list. Get the deals, and then you'll find the buyer. It's so easy. Right? I, I I agree with you. The I truth is, I see people spending time on that that really should be done after deals are getting your financing in order, finding the money and finding the buyer. And I tell everybody, if you find the deal, I promise you the money will be there and the buyer will be there. If, if you have to, or if you have to close it, the money will be, will be there. And if you have to wholesale, the buyer will be there, whatever it is, don't worry about those things. Just talk to sellers. That's it. Just spend mm -hmm. time on sellers. Learn, you got to learn how to do it. And then you got to talk to sellers. That's it. A so, good deal solves all problems. hundred percent. A good deal solves all. I'll give you an example on that. This is a deal. This is not even in New York, but I just want to use it as a general example. I did a mailing in Cedar Rapids, Iowa last year to see if these small markets had a huge response rate. I just tested it out. I'm like, let me try this. I got like two properties under contract, which like, and I had a buyer for one of them in the matter of three days because it was a good deal. It had title issues and it didn't end up closing. But I literally started with the seller for, I didn't know a freaking, I didn't know anyone in that area. <laughs> I didn't know anyone. I knew that there was farmers and cactus, or not cactuses, farmers and plants so what, and stuff. Had you, had you find buyers? I went on PropStream. Uh, oh, I, I went on PropStream, but then the, the way I found this guy was Craigslist. Like if you, it, it takes two thing. seconds to make an ad on Craigslist and it's you will free. get buyers coming in on autopilot. Focus on the sellers. Right. That's the thing. Focus on the sellers. So one more thing I want to cover on today's disposition podcast, and I'm sure you've done this too a little bit, is I have found that using real estate agents to help sell my wholesale deals has been tremendous in at least in you know the Hudson Valley, which is two hours from where Michael is. So we're not too far apart, but we're really kind of in different regions of the country. Um, I have found that a really good agent with that's actually doing business, that's not a part-timer, they're not like learning how to make money, like they're already making six figures a year, they're serious, they're not BS. I have found that they have found buyers for me that I was not aware of. And I've paid them a 2% commission, but I've made an extra $15,000, $20,000 on my deal. Yeah. So we have been finding a lot of success doing that. In fact, the deal that just closed yesterday was the same thing, right through an agent. He had a guy over, well, didn't overpay, but he paid our, you know, a good price for it. And um, I didn't have to do anything. The agent took care of most of it, you know? Um, so if you're new to wholesaling, you want to also build relationships with agents who are very productive agents. Like, in my opinion, they got to be making six figures minimum. They need to be doing it full time. Well, they need to. It's hard to know, to hard to know which, which agents are doing that, but I guess you, get, you can look in your area. You can just tell, like, if they're selling, like, you know, 40 properties a year, like, there's a pretty, like, and that's what I mean by, like, they're not, if they're making like 97,000, like, but you can still work with them. But <laughs> that just shows me that they're, they're used to making a good amount of money in real estate, like, versus like someone who's like never made that type of money. They're like, oh shit, like, I don't, like, they don't have the experience most likely. So, um, there's a few reasons. Number one, they can sell your deals for more money. A lot of the times, number two, I like to pass a lot of my leads over to these agents because I'm not a licensed agent myself. So I'll pass them a, uh, a lead that's pretty hot, but they're just not selling at a discount and I'll get a marketing fee for that. Um, and they're just good people to work with in general, like for tenants and things like that. So sure. what have you, have you been doing that type of stuff in Long Island, Michael, or you just kind of go directly with your list? So first of all, I am a licensed. Uh, you are broker. a licensed agent. I'm a there licensed broker, and my broker. dispo guy, my full-time disposition manager, is, he's licensed. He's licensed too. What I did do recently, is something similar to that, and what I what what I've been noticing now is that there's a lot because of the eviction moratorium. There's a lot of 
properties where the seller needs the money, he wants to sell it, but is under the impression that because I was a non-cooperative tenant, he can't sell it. Mm. So I got a list of every single realtor in my county who has an office in my county. And I put out my whole team. So I have a few VAs and my leads manager and my dispo guy started emailing them like a simple email saying, listen, if you have a property with, we'll buy properties with uncooperative tenants. And I just got two deals from it. That's amazing. One was a, a realtor who's also a property manager who had this situation where the tenant's not uncooperative, but the tenant still is under lease for like two more months and the seller just needs cash. And I'm buying it for like $150,000 less than it's worth. And the property manager is going to make it in perfect condition. I went there. It's got a pool. It's really nice. That's amazing. And the other one is where they also dish the mess. They got some uncooperative tenants and I'm buying it for a really good price. Um, but for a lot of these agents, they don't understand that there is actual people like you and me that will buy properties with uncooperative tenants. Like I had people call me and say, I don't have anything now, but I, do you really buy properties with uncooperative tenants during a moratorium? And I go, yeah. Yeah. Go, Listen, I go, I'm not, it twice. Giving, I'm not giving you full price. I'm not giving you full price. Yeah. I've done it uh, 10 times now. Yeah. But, but like, it's, it's like a whole new world to them. Their mind is blown. So like, I didn't want to send them the same email that everybody sent them saying, hey, do you have any properties? I'll buy it in any condition as is the closing. Yeah, because they're getting that from everyone. Right. So There's no resistance with one, that. One message, I'll buy property. I'll buy, we'll buy properties with uncooperative tenants. And it got me two deals in like a week. It's crazy. That's amazing. And we're sending out more and more emails to them because I think it's great. Yeah, I've been, my assistant's been doing that recently and she's gotten a few responses, um, but we just got to keep sending more emails. But yeah, I mean, listen, like that's, that's a, the, the way I look at something like that is like, now you got two deals from that. How much did it cost you to acquire those two deals? Zero. Zilch. Zero. Because your VAs were going to be working anyways. Zero. It's amazing. Exactly. And that's where I see a lot of people, like a lot of new investors are like, they're scared to work with a real estate agent. And I'm like, dude, their whole entire income is based upon buying and selling and renting, which is how you make money. They don't get paid unless the deal is done. They don't get whether that's a rental tenant or whether that's a freaking buy or a sell. I mean, because we have both. Like you need to, they need to understand. Like that's like a good agent is going to be like super proactive on sure. getting it done because your interests are actually aligned. Right. Especially when you're wholesaling a deal, they're only going to get paid. We have a deal right now in San Diego, fifty-five thousand dollars assignment. We're going to hopefully close next week. The guy's making seven grand. Like he's making $7,000, which is great. Great. Um, it's funny. <laughs> he's definitely not listening, but I will say something that got me a little ticked off. <laughs> I, I said, hey, dude, I've never worked with you before. Um, this is a big, pretty big assignment. It's not, it's not like your typical 10, 20K. And he's like, I don't care. He doesn't care. I don't care. I'm like, all right, whatever. So he's like, send over the assignment. I said, okay, I'm just letting you know. It's like at the doctor, the shot is going to hurt. I'm going to put it in your arm. It's going to hurt. So he goes, I email this freaking guy and he goes, Oh, you're making 55. I'm like, I fucking told you I was making it. He's like, well, he's like, I want more money. I go, the fuck you told me you were cool with five grand. And he's like, I want more money. I'm like, all right, fuck. I'll give you seven grand, but don't ever ask me that again. So like I caved in, but like it, it, it's funny. fucking guy. But um, anyway, the, the point of that is that that guy brought me the buyer. I didn't know the buyer. I had another buyer lined up, but this guy brought me a buyer with more money. He's on my list. He's like, hey, Greg, I'm an agent. I got buyers. Look at that, right? You could do that in any market. That happened to be in California, but you could sure. do that in New York too. Same shit. I actually had that happen like three weeks ago in New York. So 
It happens. I, I, I don't do it enough, but the, I think that the thinking that a lot of uh, new wholesalers have is number one, a lot of them are talking like being taught to talk crap about about realtors. That's like, the most which is so asinine stupid. thing I've ever heard in my life. Ridiculous. By the way, and they're taught. Oh, you don't want to use a realtor. They're going to rip you off. These guys. Oh are, my god. Which is stupid. I never, that, man? I never do that. And the I'm other thing is, I think they feel like, well, if I have a realtor and the buyer is going to pay the realtor's commission, I'm not going to end up with more money. But you know, look at what the realtor brings you. The realtor can bring you deals where you're making more money, right? One hundred percent. Even if you have, even if you have to pay the realtor, if he's making you twenty thousand dollars more, and he cares. That's ten thousand dollars more than you were making without him. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. People are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And like the thing is too, the realtor does most of the work. Like that's like in California, like the escrow company does a lot of the work. Like the attorney in New York does most of the work. Like, like sure. some of these title states, it's like, yeah, it's great, but at the same time, like you're going to get the death certificate from the freaking the department of whatever for the inherited property. It's, it's, you know, you're going to get the payoffs from Wells Fargo, which I've done before is a pain in I the hate, ass. I hate, I hate that. Stuff. When you have to get a deceased owner's payoff, oh. you might as well just go eat glass. Cause it's oh, that God. bad. Oh my gosh. You have to like lie about the freaking, it's just a disaster. Yeah. You need to know the it's social so security number. It comes, it's oh, it's God. a disaster. I've done, um, that, I've done that many times, unfortunately. Yeah. So let's wrap up the episode. So like in summary here, like just for the people listening, so they can have some takeaways from this. Um, number one, don't be afraid to sell your deals for the most money possible. Because if you have a good deal and you have a list that is reasonable, you're going to sell it for the most money. You just have to have the cojones to not cave in and take the first offer that comes in. You got to be willing to be patient and you got to be willing to ruffle the feathers and rock the boat a little bit because you're going to have guys try to do, oh, hey, I need to be at 250. Like 250, let's do it right now at 250. And it's like, what's your number? You're... What's the what's the number? What's the number? Just tell me to know what it is. What what, what do we got to do to make this deal? <laughs> what do we got to do today? So the thing with that is like when that, like that happened last or two weeks ago on this, we got $20,000 in New York, locked the house up. We got 20 grand over our asking price. So it's a 40K fee. And I had got, dude, what do we need to do? I'm like, listen, dude, submit your best offer. I'm taking the best offer at 10 a.m. tomorrow. That's the bottom line. And if you don't like that, that's fine. I'll send you another one next week and maybe you'll buy that one. So you got to be patient. And if you're new, it's hard to be patient. I would advise partnering up with Michael or myself um, and having us do the deals with you if you'd like, because you, number one, you'll see how it works. And number two, I guarantee you, we're going to get more money on our list than you'd get on your list in the beginning, right? That might change as you do more deals. Um, but um, yeah, you got to be patient. You can't be afraid to, um, you know, wait around for the best offer. And you can't be, um, you can't be afraid to, to piss some people off. hundred percent. Like, you're going to piss some people off. Like I, I'm still thinking of that guy who he came out of his truck. He looked in and he was like, F this, I can't do it. And at the point I'm like, maybe I'm doing something wrong. No, I made a ton of money on that deal. And yeah. I, I wholesale it for top dollar. So the fact that he's pissed off, is not something you should worry about. <laughs> I know why he's pissed off. Cause he, he, he thought he was going to go. The, see, the thing is the buyers who, like I have done this before with buyers where like they were trained to where like when Greg gets a deal, they were going to like get a call. And then right. I was 20 year old kid. Like, what do I know? And I remember I started to realize like, man, I could probably just get 30,000, 40,000 instead of 15,000. And I'm like, no one's like pointing a gun at my head saying like, if you don't sell me this property, like you're going to jail. So then I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to just try to sell this for more money. And it started working. And I was like, whoa, okay. Now I'm on to something. Um, but you know, in the beginning, you got to do what you got to do, but at the bottom line, our, our main store, our main points of this episode are number one in New York. It's actually better to dispo properties because you really can't get snaked out because of the attorneys. And number two, you gotta be willing to 
get the most money for your wholesale deals, especially in 2021, the way with the time we're recording this, because if the market changes, it might be a little different. But right now in June of 2021, this is the hottest real estate market in the last like 20 years. And Michael's been Four. in the business way longer than me. I mean, what, what's the deal with this market, by the way, Michael? It's all time highs where I am. All time highs. Unprecedented. Like there are areas in Long Island where things are, are, are up, you know, by 30, 40%. Over, over, over what they were a year ago. It's insane. Unbelievable. It's un I'm seeing a lot of stuff in Long Island where guys are just buying properties at like a two one. Like I see the Charles Weinrab guy all the time. He's buying like a two one piece of shit cape in like you know uh, what the hell's that town called? Um, I, like I don't know the town, but right by the Coliseum. And he like turned a two one. He blew the freaking top off, blew the back off, and turned it into like a four three monster and sold it for like a hundred thousand dollars over asking price. And I'm like, holy shit, like. That's yeah. crazy. You know, like right. that's what's going on in this market. You know, there's just forget people about, are willing to pay. Forget about doing major work. I mean, what people are just, I mean, I, I, I even when you don't do any work to it, you can sell you still make money dollars more than you thought. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. But anyway, always a pleasure doing these episodes. I hope you listeners got value from today's show. I definitely think if they take what we are telling right here for free and apply it, they will make a lot of money. Um, pretend you just paid Michael and I $50,000 each to, to hear this advice. Uh, cause he just heard you it for free. Send, so you, you want to send us the money you can, you can. Huh? Yeah, you can. Definitely can. We'll send you our uh, PayPal, our respective PayPal accounts or my Stripe account. Uh, but anyway, we'll see everyone on the next episode and I'll uh, we'll talk soon.